welcome to the Pride of Detroit podcast, the POD cast. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the interim coach of this podcast. I'm also the managing editor of prideofdetroit.com. Welcome to the show. Appreciate you guys being here for another week. We got a big week ahead of us. Players are about to report to camp. So we are closing out our training camp preview with the defense today. And with me filling in for Ryan Matthews this week is our good friend, our social media manager and, and writer and editor. He kind of does a little bit of ed- everything, including filling in for the podcast from time to time. John Whitaker is here at Whitaker on Twitter. John, how are we doing tonight? Oh, doing pretty good. I'm very excited to talk about the defense. Now, this is a unit that has changed a lot this offseason. So there's a lot to go through. Yes. And I think the the question we we are always asking ourselves, we have been asking ourselves since training camp or since the draft really is, Okay, it's changed, but has it improved? And so uh, on today's show, we're going to go kind of position by position, look at the training camp battles, look at maybe some starter battles and kind of maybe at the end determine, uh, is this improved or is this just changed? And uh, be interesting to see. I mean, obviously, we won't know until the Lions take the field. And even then, most of us won't be able to see them actually take the field. And, And that's really three weeks off. Um, obviously the first couple weeks are going to be primarily focused on COVID testing, which the MLB showed us this week is probably a pretty important process, uh, to all that, but, uh, let's not get into all the COVID stuff at the top. Let's jump right into the training camp stuff because I mean, let's, let's just dig, let's just dig our head in the sand a little bit and try to be optimistic here. Even when things, uh, don't look optimistic around sports right now. So let's start with that defensive line. And I want to start with the defensive tackles because that maybe was a position that saw the most change. We saw Ashawn Robinson go. We saw Damon Harrison go. Um, we didn't get to see Deshaun hand much. We didn't, uh, we didn't see, uh, why am I, Blanking on his name, Packers guy that's not on the team anymore. Mike Daniels. Thank you. Mike Daniels is not here anymore. <laughs> um, so now we got the line starters. We got Shelton. We got Nick Williams and Deshaun Hand, who, you know, is kind of a three slash five tech. So kind of a defensive end as well. But let's throw them in with the defensive tackles. Those are your three starters slash rotational guys. The big question is really the depth at this position. Who wins those backup jobs? And do you want to go with nose tackle first or kind of like the, the Deshaun hand backup position? I think let's talk about the nose tackles first. Cause obviously the biggest name that left the team is uh, snacks Harrison. And when we first acquired him, he had a pretty good season for us. And then last year was just kind of a really significant disappointment, especially across that entire defensive line. And you know, when we're talking about, oh, has the defense gotten better? Has it gotten worse? Well, on paper, I would say that Harrison is probably better than the likes of uh, Shelton. Right. But when you look at how he performed last year, you know, maybe it's not that high of a bar to clear. Right. And and the big question, too, is, I mean, the, the lines don't play their, their one nose tackle 100 percent of the time. Like most defensive linemen, they get rotated. So who's going to be that guy behind Danny Sheldon? I mean, there are a lot of questions, like you said, about Danny Sheldon himself, and we probably won't get those answers even in training camp. Uh, we won't see it till the season, but who's going to back him up? Is it going to be John Atkins like it was last year? Is it going to be incoming uh, defensive tackle John Penasini or Olive Sungapulu? Uh, Sungapolu, I should say. Um, do you have, I mean, everyone, I think fans in general, they, they like the rookies. They like the new guys. So John Penasini is, is definitely a fan favorite for, for maybe reasons that have something to do other than his talent. But um, do you think he maybe has a leg up on John Atkins after Atkins has played a significant amount last year? 
I'm kind of of the opposite. I actually think that Atkins has a little bit of a leg up just due to the familiarity. Now we've talked about mm-hmm. kind of COVID. I don't want to go too into detail about that, but we might see some reduced activities this off season. Coaches might not get as much of a look at players and schemes as they normally would like. And I feel like just someone who's been on the roster from last year might give him the leg up. Now I think long-term, I think uh, he's probably not going to be as much of a safe bet. Uh, the, the thing that a lot of people don't seem to remember is uh, Atkins is 27 going on 28. So he's no, yeah. you know, spring. He's, he's no, uh, what you call it? I was going to say spring chicken, but it's the wrong one. Um, yeah, that's right, too. I mean, he's, he's, it, he's uh, a veteran. I mean, he knows. I can't remember my games. Anyway, yeah, he's <laughs> he's kind of a veteran, but without the veteran experience. So right. I think probably for this season, I think he'll probably get the nod. I think... Um, Essentially, any of the rookies behind him will probably look towards practice squad eligibility. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that the people are going to have to realize is I think I get the feeling that a lot of guys are going to be able to slip to that practice squad without being tied up because teams right now are going to be so desperate to get guys with experience that you can probably let those sixth and seventh round picks and UDFAs go to waivers during roster cuts and pick them back up. So yeah, I think there's definitely an argument to be made that Atkins wins it over Penasini. I think the the one thing I'll say in Penasini's favor is that it, I think the nose tackle position tends to be one of those positions that you can acclimate pretty quickly to the NFL. It's, I mean, it's obviously a different level of talent, but in terms of like, learning the position, it's not all that much different. You're, you're a nose tackle. You just eat up space. You take on blocks. You, you hold your ground, so to speak. And so um, not that there's not nuance to the position. Of course there is. But in general, I think it's one of the simpler transition when you're talking about uh, technique and things like that. So I think that gives him a chance. But I think I'm with you. I think Atkins might have the edge up just because he has that experience. They're only going to be, you know, a dozen padded practices, it sounds like. Let, like barely a, a not even a month worth of, of practices and even walkthroughs uh, before week one. So I do think that's a significant advantage. And I think that's kind of something we're going to be talking about a lot today, because there are going to be a lot of really young guys going up against some seasoned vets. And I think that could cause some shakeups, but um, let's move to the other defensive tackle position. Um, the guys that are backing up probably both Nick Williams and Deshaun hand, the Lions will probably want to have a third guy in that rotation. It's going to be between Deshaun, Cornell and, and Kevin strong pretty much. I'm there, there are other guys in there, but those are probably the two best uh, at the position. Is it, is it the same kind of story here with you, John, Deshaun Cornell being a seventh rounder here. So even, even less, you know, potential talent technically. And, and Kevin strong is a guy who's had a little bit of experience in this defense. Is, is, you see it's playing out similar, similarly. Uh, I do. Uh, strong was actually someone that the Lions liked quite a bit last season. Um, he basically got, Quite a few snaps before he got uh, injured. I think it was about halfway through the season. Um, I really expect him to maybe even get more looks this year. Um, once again, as we said, you know, just limited, you know, availability, availability with training camp and practices and whatnot. Um, but one thing that, as we touched upon before, is, you know, if you can get someone who knows this scheme, because I don't think the scheme is going to change that much after what it was last year. Right. You know, if he's someone who basically has a very strong familiarity with the playbook, I think that's going to give you a leg up at the very least to start the season, you know, down the road, injuries happen, players get shuffled. That's when we might see guys get, you know, punted off. But I think right off the bat for week one, I would say give the edge to the veterans and then go from there. I'm with you hundred percent. 
So let's uh, let's move on to the edges here. Um, we're kind of going to mix here the down defensive end role, which is, is Trey Flowers job and that Jack linebacker role. So I would say and you can disagree with me if, if you if you do here, I would say the guys that are safest and, and I would say essentially roster locks at this point, uh, Trey Flowers, Julian Okwara, Lions third round pick and Romeo Okwara. Do you have anyone you would add or take away from that list as as the safe guys? I, I would put maybe Romeo towards slightly on the bubble. I still think he's going to um, make the team just due to the fact that the roster isn't that deep. And I think yeah. that's probably the biggest issue with the Lions going forward is that the pass rushers for a team that was notoriously bad at pass rushing last year haven't got that much better. Right. It's it's a recipe for disaster, as we kind of saw last year. Yeah, I think I think the Lions plan there was kind of addition by subtraction. And, and I don't mean this in any toward any disrespect towards Devon Kennard, but he was just not very effective as a pass rusher at the Jack linebacker position. So that leaves Julian O'Carr, the aforementioned. And then Austin Bryan, I think, is the other guy that, that needs to be talked about here. I put him kind of on the bubble of this list. I didn't have him on the bubble in my personal list, but um, as someone mentioned in our chat, um, Kenley Platty put out his 53 man roster today uh, prediction Austin roster roster prediction today and he had Austin Bryant off the list so I kind of want to talk about that a little bit personally I mean as a fourth round pick last year as a guy who Bob Quinn has gone out specifically and said he he expects to to play a bigger role this year I don't see it that way I think he's as close to a roster lock as possible amongst this group um obviously not as as much of a lock as a guy like Julian O'Quara but I think Austin Bryant is not only a, a, a a very close to a roster lock, but I think he plays a lot this year. Am I wrong in that? I think it's hard to say because he and uh, Okwara basically play the same role. And given how Austin spent uh, most of his rookie season on the injured reserve, it's not like he's got a lot of in-game action to make up for that. So in a way you can almost look at both of them as rookies going forward. So I think what we'll probably end up seeing is in the start, assuming both make the roster, we'll probably basically split it maybe 50-50, assuming they don't throw in you know other guys like uh, Jamie Collins, we'll talk about sure. him later, uh, as that kind of jack role. Um, I think really after that, it's whoever is you know playing hot, basically. Right. I think right now, I don't really see either having a leg up my reasoning, though, for Okwara being the safest out of the two is he's just that newest draft pick, and you just got to give a little bit of an edge to that. Yeah, I think it's it's really just kind of a numbers game here because, you know, you, you look at Trey Flowers, who's his backup going to be? Is it going to be Romeo Okwara or is it going to be Jonathan Wynn? I think most people would probably pick Romeo Okwara, right? That makes sense. And then yeah. with the Jack linebacker, it's like, okay, the starters, either Julian Aquara or Austin Bryan, or like you said, maybe Jamie Collins takes some Jack linebacker uh, reps as well. But there, there's really no one else. Like, is Anthony Pittman your, your leftover Jack that, that's in competition with any of those guys? Like, there has to be someone that plays that position. And maybe the Lions' plan is it's, it's going to be Julian Aquara, and then we're going to mix in Jelani Tavai and Jared Davis and Jamie Collins. And like, everyone's going to play a little bit of Jack linebacker. And then maybe that's how Austin Bryant falls off the roster. But to me, like Austin Bryan could maybe even drop down to that down defensive end and play a little bit of Romeo Quara's role, um, given his size. So like, I don't know. I, I just feel like 
it, it's roster predictions are just going to be so tough this year be, because of the linebacking crew. And maybe this is a good transition into that because they're all going to play so many different positions. We've been used to Devon Kennard being the Jack linebacker for 90% of the snaps. Whereas I don't think we're going to get that this year. I don't think we're going to have a primary Jack. I don't think we might not even have a, a primary Mike like Jared Davis certainly hasn't really, uh, you know, looked like he's warranted that huge starting 80, 70, 80, 90% of snap roll that he's been getting before. Um, so yeah, I, I think I personally, I think the edge guys are, are pretty much set in Trey flowers, Julian Aquara, Romeo Aquara, and Austin Bryant, just because there aren't a lot of pure backups in, in either of that role that, that can challenge those guys. But when we get to linebacker, it's just kind of a muddled mess. Is it, is it not? Uh, I definitely agree. Like I mentioned the calling signing. He has some versatility. I know it's a very overused word, but this is quite true. He can play almost any linebacking position and you can throw him at Jack and you'd be getting a, a successful player there. But really outside of that, it's kind of a log jam of mediocrity. Now, I think Tavai, he played decently his rookie season. But my problem with him is that I feel like that's probably his ceiling. Athletically, he's not great. And I feel like in this Lions defense, linebackers really need to step up just due to the fact of how, you know, Patricia doesn't really emphasize pass rush, more about contain. And we've seen them get absolutely burnt last year. And I honestly don't know if they're going to be that much better. Because as I said, Collins is nice. Like you only have one of him and <laughs> wherever he's not, that might be an issue. Yeah, that's the, there's no doubt. And I think, I think Collins is kind of the linchpin to, to all of this, right? Like, I mean, imagine he gets injured. Then then we're back to maybe even worse than we were last year at the linebacker level. But um, where he plays is really the biggest question, right? Like, is he that Jack linebacker? Is he a coverage guy? Um, he's, he's probably the best at coverage amongst everyone that they've got. So does that make him a, a middle linebacker? Is he a middle linebacker on passing downs so that he's in coverage and then maybe an edge guy uh, on, on the other downs? And I mean, it, it's, it stinks that we didn't get mini camp. We didn't get OTAs because maybe we have an idea of what their plan is, but at this point we don't. And so mm-hmm. is Jamie Collins an insider outside guy? I mean, the answer is probably both, right? I mean, like I said, we really have to divorce ourselves from this idea that the, the lines are just going to have guys that stick in one place. And I mean, we've heard it for, for years, basically since um, Matt Patricia walked in the door, this is going to be a team that's so multiple, that's so hard to predict that, that can have the same personnel on the field, but change up the formations. This, I mean, now they, it seems like they finally might have a roster that'll do that. And that just makes it again, such like a a, a hard position to predict. I think, I think if we're talking about, you know, roster building and, and who's safe, who's not safe, I think Jamie Collins is obviously safe. I think Jelani Tavai is obviously safe. I think I think Jared Davis is still safe. Do you do you feel like that? It's true still? I think he is. I think this is basically his last chance. Obviously declining his uh, option is kind of a big statement. And when you look at his performance, I mean, it clearly hasn't been there. We we like to, you know, kind of hone in on some of the really brilliant moments he has, but they're just too few and far between to really say he's dependable. And going back to kind of the Jack discussion, some people really floated the idea, oh yeah, we'll turn him into this Jack linebacker due to the, some of the sacks he put up. But that really doesn't speak to his talent his stacks have mainly just come from 
essentially being on a, like a delayed blitz kind of thing. And then he essentially finds a gap and goes through it. I don't think he has a kind of a pass rushing arsenal. He doesn't really have coverage skills. His tackling is hit or miss quite literally. <laughs> so what is the positive of Jared Davis? I hate to say, it cause I love the guy, but at some point you just have to realize he's not going to be that guy. And I feel like this season is when that's going to happen. Yeah, I think I think there's a very good chance. I, I think he's safe, as I mentioned before, but I think there's a really good chance he slowly gets phased out and, and not maybe not entirely. But I mean, Jelani Tavai played Mike linebacker when he was injured early in the season. And I think that was their plan for him long term. Um, they obviously just kind of had to throw him in, you know, to the wolves to begin the season. But I think he's a he's a capable middle linebacker, an interior linebacker. Whereas, you know, Jared Davis, I, I think they're just going to try to find roles for him throughout the year and be like, well, are you a third down passer from the interior? Are you are you Jack linebacker? Are you a, a run thumper um, on on obvious running downs? You know, maybe third and short and things like that. They're going to have to find something for him. But um, let's move on to some of the other guys at the linebacker level. Christian Jones, a guy that they just gave a, a two-year extension to last year. And listen, this isn't a team that necessarily is like, oh, we gave you an extension. That means you're safe. Ask Quandre Diggs if that makes you safe. It doesn't. Oh, yeah. Um, that being said, I think they like this guy a lot. I think he's a guy, again, that's kind of versatile. He can be an interior. He can be an exterior. He can be Will. As, and I think he could probably even take over some snaps at Jack if need be in a pinch. Again, just trying to be unpredictable on defense. The thing to me is like, he's just, he's a jack of all trades, but master at none, right? He's just not that good at anything, but he's capable of a lot of things. Yeah. He's more of a stopgap than anything. I think we saw that last year when we had some injuries, you can kind of throw him in and well, I was going to say he could do decently, but that might be a little bit too much praise. He'll suffice. We'll put it at that. Yeah. And then the trying to coast guy, through the season with a full team. He'll right. be a man. Yes, he is the patchwork on a leaky boat, essentially. Um, the last guy I want to talk about, um, and, and we'll, we'll mix in some other guys with him, is Reggie Ragland. Now, a lot of Lions fans are excited about this guy, and I understand. He's a, he's a former second-round pick. He's a guy who just won a Super Bowl with the Chiefs and had you know, a significant role. Not, not, necess- not a starter role, but, um, and his role actually kind of diminished throughout the years with Kansas City. Um, but he's a guy I think that's going to be in contention with a bunch of special teams guys. So you're, you're Jalen Reeves, Mabins, you're, you're miles Killebrew. Um, I, I guess my question for you is based on how this team is roster constructed in the past, will they give, give Reggie Raglan a shot? Because while he might be the better backup player on defense, we know this team really likes their special teams guys. So if it comes down to it, and I'm not saying it necessarily will, but if it comes to Raglan versus Killebrew versus Reeves Maben, who's the guy to keep? That's a very tough decision. Um, obviously, Ragland, I believe, is like uh, 240 pounds kind of thing. He fits the model of what the line's like in a linebacker. But he doesn't have that many special team snaps, especially in comparison to the likes of Killebrew and Reeves Maben. And I just don't know if that will be enough. It, it obviously depends on some of the special teams, like cornerbacks and safeties they keep as well. I think, you know, or even on offense, how many people they keep there, there'll be a very few tight battles, but I just don't know if he has it barring injury. Now, from a performance perspective, 
I honestly don't think Ragland would be much worse than Jared Davis. But the problem is Jared Davis still kind of has that, you know, tag of being a first round pick. And, you know, there's a lot of potential there. So I really don't see them cutting bait with him. So I think Ragland, um, I'm not sure if he's still practice squad eligible, but at the very least, I feel like he would be good in the defense if the numbers matched up. And I just don't know. He might be the odd man out. Yeah. I mean, this year, the, I think they're pushing practice squad to 16. And I think six or seven of them are, are guys that can be, that they can have unlimited amount of accrued season. So Raglan will, will obviously uh, qualify there. I think the question is whether Raglan would want to be on a practice squad, though, after years mm-hmm. of, of at least playing time. I, I can't imagine he'd be that thrilled to be on a practice squad, although people might have a different opinion of the practice squad this year, given the likelihood of players being put on, you know, a potential COVID injured reserve list. Um, And and when that happens, teams are able to bring up a guy from the practice squad without any, um, any risk of losing them to waivers once they send it back. So um, that'll be kind of an interesting part of all of this roster construction, right? Is, is a practice squad because they'll have those extra positions because so many of those positions can be given to veterans now, um, it'll be interesting to see which players will be okay with that, which players will be like, no, I'm going to go find a team because given how fast paced everything is right now, I just, I don't really see there being a lot of, you know, waiver wire hunting from other teams. They're going to be like, so focused on getting ready to go. And, and there won't be any, uh, someone in the chat mentioned there, there won't be any preseason tape to, to go through either of any of these guys. There, there's just you're kind of throwing darts at, at the waiver wire after cutdown. So all that will be really interesting. But when we we're going to take our, our first break here and when we come back, we're going to talk secondary. We're going to talk about all the changes lines made in secondary because there's a bunch there. And then we'll talk our overall thoughts on the defense before we move into the mailbag on the podcast. So stick around. We'll be right back on the POD cast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back with our training camp preview podcast, part two. We're talking defense, 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 a part of the team that needs to impress the most. And one of the positions that they really put a lot of effort into and maybe might even see uh, a, a, an improvement, um, whereas I think we, we talked about the earlier positions of the front seven where it's just like, eh, it's changed, but is it improved? Cornerbacks. 
Now, it sounds weird to say that the cornerback position may have improved to a point where it's better than last year without Darius Slay, but you bring in Jeff Okuda with the third overall pick. You bring in Desmond Trufant as your kind of Darius Slay replacement. That's a pretty good one-two punch. Um, and at least collectively, on paper, might be better than the one-two punch from last year. Um, you also have some some depth players with some starting experience. So um, I guess my first question with this group is, let's talk Jeff Okuda. I mean, I think a lot of eyes are obviously going to be on him in training camp. The big question is, with the shortened offseason, does he walk in day one and, and start as the, as the number one cornerback? I personally think he doesn't. And this isn't a knock on him. I mean, arguably, he's one of the best cornerback talents to come out of the draft in the past five years. He's he's up there with a lot of guys, like even likes of Ramsey and whatnot. Um, I just feel like you can't throw a rookie into a situation like that. It isn't fair to them. And I just think when you look at it, how NFL offense offenses and defenses work nowadays you're going to need basically a cornerback one quarterback two and they're going to see the field for most of the time so even if he isn't necessarily lining up against the top guys i still think he's going to see a lot of action early in his uh, career do you think he comes in as a starter on in, in day one and, and just you know trufant's basically on kenny galladay in camp while while akuda's on marvin jones I think that Trufant still gets the edge there. I think, yeah. you know, I, I hate to basically be a, a broken record here, but it comes down to experience. What might yeah. be a shortened and very difficult to uh, ascertain training camp. So I think, you know, it's always leave the option as the season goes along to switch it up. And I don't think there's going to be that big of a drop off between the learning curve and Trufant's experience. I think really they're not too far off in terms of uh, talent level. But I just think, at least for the start, see how he fares. If he gets picked on, does he do well? Does he do poorly? And then go from there. But you do think he'll be a starter, at least? Just Yes, I believe he'll be a starter. Yes. Cool. All right. I I think I'm with you. I I think he's definitely a starter from day one of training camp. Whether he's CB1 or or CB2, I think it's almost a 50-50 shot. Um, I think I think they'll probably go with Trufant to start just because, as you said, the 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 weird off season and and Trufant's a good player and and I, I don't want to mm-hmm. take anything ever away from him. He was basically CB one in Atlanta, so um, it, it won't be a, a big change for him. Except he's going to be playing more man, and I think that's something that he actually pretty he excels at pretty well. So I like him as CB one, Okuda CB two to start, and like you said, that that could very very well be subject to change in the middle of the season, maybe even in the middle of training camp, depending on how. Um, how quickly Okuda hits the ground running. But let's talk about actually the CB3 job because I think that's almost as interesting. And I'm not talking nickel. I think Justin Coleman is, is a starting nickel and he's basically unchallenged in, in that position, especially with Jamal Agnew moving over to the offense. But let's talk about Amani Oruwarie versus Daryl Roberts because I think a lot of people are going into camp assuming Amani Oruwarie is their guy. You know, he's he was the favorite draft pick from from last year. He's a guy that thought people thought we're gonna go in the second round. He went in the fifth round. He got two interceptions last year, so proved some of that right. He also went through a couple struggles that I think a lot of people forget about. And the Lions brought in Daryl Roberts this offseason, a guy with I think 20 games of experience, a guy that brings in some special teams as well, a, a guy that's no scrub, a guy that um, you know, if if Desmond Trufant wasn't here, I think maybe we'd even be talking about him as cornerback too. So do you think there's a a, a even standing between those two as we enter training camp, or do you have one that that is like the clear favorite to you? 
A favorite to me, I still love Oruare. He was a guy that I was absolutely ecstatic to get when we did last year in the draft. And I think he played pretty well in his rookie season in limited showings. I think he actually had like one of the higher PFF grades of cornerbacks. Obviously, he didn't have the snap counts. I don't know what this Lions staff is going to think. Obviously, he's a guy who a lot of people had as maybe like a second, third round pick. And he slid quite a bit. So maybe it's sign the Lions organization doesn't necessarily like him as much. But I still think far and away, he's the much better talent at cornerback. I'm, I'm just not as sure. Because, I mean, you look at you look at kind of the, the up and down play from Daryl Roberts, he he was playing so well in in New York that they gave him like a three year. I don't remember the, the the details on it, but like a significant extension. And then he kind of he craps the bed in 2019 and, and doesn't play very well. You know, I think mid 50s PFF grade or something like that. If you like PFF, basically not great. And the Jets decided to just completely bail on that contract that they just gave him. Um, I, I think people need to keep an, a, a closer eye on him. I'm not saying he's winning the job over Orari. I think there's a good chance that they both make it anyways. Um, but just if the Lions are taking a slow with Orari, and, and remember, he, he was dealing with a lot of injuries his, his rookie season. So, you know, he doesn't have a ton of experience. He's a guy that, that, that they, they might have to take along slowly. Um, just, just keep a close eye on Daryl Roberts and see. I mean, there's, there's a good chance... They're both on team two, right? Like if while the second team defense is out there, it's Amani Oruari and Daryl Roberts as, as the two outside corners. But just keep an eye on who plays the best. And I know you can't literally do that since we're only going to get you know live streams of of training camp. But read the reports and and just keep a close eye on Daryl Roberts because I think he might be uh, one of the understated guys on this defense. Um, sticking with the cornerback, let's talk about the depth beyond that because. I think there's maybe room for one or two more. You know, the line's probably going to keep five or six cornerbacks, depending on how many safeties. They usually like to keep 10 or 11 defensive backs, sometimes 12. I think it was 12 last year, actually. But somewhere between 10 and 12, which means probably somewhere between five and seven guy corners. And so you have Jeff Okuda, you have Justin Coleman, you have uh, Desmond Trufant, you have Imani Oroy. Let's say you have Daryl Roberts. We're already at five there. So... If there's even a guy left, it's going to be a guy that that predominantly uh, really specializes in spe- special teams. And so you got Tony McRae, the guy, the new addition from Cincy. And then you have two guys who played big special teams roles last year, Mike Ford and D Virgin. Who do you like out of that group? Out of that group, I personally have to give the edge to McRae because even though the other two played pretty well with the Lions last year, uh, the fact that the Lions brought in a new special teams coordinator, uh, Braden Coombs, I think, once again, coming back to the fact that it's a shortened offseason, I think we're probably going to end up seeing him have a slight bit of an edge. You know, I personally don't think it's going to be that big of a loss depending who you go with. I think they're all pretty similar in terms of special teams ability. And obviously, yeah, I know special teams, they don't get enough love and whatnot. But a lot of times the special teamers are bottom of the roster guys. And I think switching them in and out, I don't think we're going to see that big of a drop off. Now, the bigger question is when it comes to who you want to keep is that these are guys who are going to be competing with, as we mentioned before, uh, Miles Killebrew, uh, Jalen Rees-Mabin, Reggie Ragland. So there's a lot of names for not a lot of spots. So we'll see what happens. 
Yeah. And, and that's, that's a good point because while they're fighting for special teams spots, they're not necessarily just fighting with corners. Like you said, it could be the linebackers could be some safeties that we're about to mention as well. So I think that's a good point to make. I do think Tony McRae and Mike Ford probably have a little bit of an edge up on D Virgin in the fact that they've both had at least a little bit of experience at the cornerback position on defense. Um, neither of them have been like standouts, but having that extra experience might be kind of that relief that the Lions need because again, with this offseason being so short with COVID being out there, there's a good chance the Lions are going to have to rely on reserves at some point in the season if it happens. And having guys that even just have a little bit of experience might be that tiny edge that takes you from 54 on the roster to 53. All right, let's move into the safeties before we wrap things up here in the second segment. Again, I think the, the top are pretty much set. Tracy Walker, Deron Harmon, Will Harris, those are your top three. Those are guys that are going to be getting um, at least some playing time. I guess the question with those three, the really only one is, is Will Harris's role, right? Um, a guy who the Lions invested a lot in with a, their, their third round pick last year, didn't have the kind of promising year that Tracy Walker did in his rookie year. They go in and add Harmon. Now you're left to wonder, well, we, we know the Lions like to put three safeties on the field a lot, but what's Will Harris's role now? Is, is it something significant? Is it basically, hey, you know what? Why don't you take another year to essentially redshirt and and figure things out, and then we'll find a role for you in 2021? What, what's your thoughts on Will Harris? Is Are, are you are you like me, and just kind of a, maybe a little bit even worried about his, his future with the team? I definitely am. Now, I think we all had a lot of expectations, given how Tracy Walker turned out. And he really fell flat last year to the point where he didn't really look like an NFL caliber player, which is a tough thing to say about someone you invest a pretty high draft pick in. But he was pretty much outmatched. Now, obviously, there's going to be a learning curve being a rookie and whatnot. But I think the Lions really, really need him to step up going forward. And I think it's still going to be a question mark. Because they like to have three safeties, uh, despite the fact that they jettisoned Quandre Diggs last year, which Still a bit upset about, but we'll go, we'll move on <laughs> from that. Um, I don't know. Like there's, it comes down to, you know, potential, but if he does struggle, I think he's probably going to have a short leash. Yeah. And and then the question becomes who comes in and, and plays for a spot. And like I said, you know, we got three guys there. The lines are probably going to keep four five, maybe six safeties. Um, I think that the two guys with the best chance of, of locking up a spot are CJ Moore, uh, an undrafted guy last year who played a lot on special teams. And I think the lines really liked or another free agent addition, J Ron curse. Again, another special teams guys with, with a little bit of playing experience. Um, I, I think the issue is if they have someone like Harris on a short lease, they don't really have a lot of guys that can come in with experience and, and play a spot. You know, they have Bobby Price and Jalen Elliott, two undrafted rookies that are probably going to spend the year on a, on the practice squad. You imagine, although um, I think Bobby Price is, is a guy with, with crazy athleticism that might work his way onto the team, but th- there's really not a lot of depth here. I think that's maybe something that, that has gone overlooked because the, those three guys, a lot of people like, and rightfully so. I think, I think the addition of Duran Harmon is huge in not only having a, a guy that's reliable on the back end, but what it does for a guy like Tracy Walker, but either of those guys get injured. Suddenly you're talking about putting a guy into a starting position that has very little experience. So it's a little thin there. Um, even when you're talking about your reserves. 
Yeah, the depth going forward is a problem. And I would probably argue that out of all the units on defense, the safety is probably the shallowest. Yeah. Like you can look at the linebackers and say, oh, well, you know, there isn't that much talent there, but it's a lot of decent talent in in our safety group there's some good talent and then there's a very large drop off afterwards where it's basically just special teams guys so if you have to you know plug in someone well maybe that's where you start to run with more cornerbacks maybe if you keep someone like killer you throw him back there as well like it's it's gonna be a tough situation if the injury bug hits the lines hard yeah that's that's an interesting point. I hadn't thought about potentially moving Killebrew back to safety, um, even though he's still listed as safety on the Lions website. And I think uh, that's pretty much purely so that he gets to keep his number, his jersey number, because he's basically been practicing with the linebackers for the past two years. But um, well, I, I think this is a good jump off point to our kind of overall questions about the defense. We just kind of answered the the thinnest. Uh, roster spot, but do you have a, a bigger overall concern, maybe even with the starters on this roster on the defense? Because I think a lot of people are looking at this defense and just wondering, it can't be, it can't be worse, right? So is there, is there a spot where you're like, yeah, it might actually be worse. It can't be worse. Well, I would say yes, it could be. And I sadly think it will in certain positions. I think the yeah. cornerback group, is much improved, which is very strange to say, considering we traded away Darius Slay. But this defensive tackle group is scary. Yeah. Like, scary bad, not scary good. Yeah. Dangy Shelton, he's been kind of a modest, you know, talent. Obviously, he's a, he's a nose tackle, so you're not going to get too much numbers like pass rush or whatnot from that. And... Nick Williams is kind of a question mark. He had one kind of decent yeah. season and a lot of mediocrity after that. And then you have Deshaun Hand with his unfortunate injury history. And all of a sudden, it's not a very good unit. Yeah, you're, you're, you're 100%. And I think that's why a lot of people are still crossing their fingers that a healthy Mike Daniels appears at training camp. I, I'd love to, to share that optimism, but I feel like that ship has sailed. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe there's been an agreement in place. They're just like, you know what? Take the off season off when, once we get to training camp, once we're actually putting on pads, then we'll see it. But um, I, I would say defensive tackle is probably my answer as well. Um, I'm just, I, I'm sorry. I don't, Nick Williams is one of the most curious signings that they made this off season. Um, I, he's a great story. A guy who who's out of the league a couple of years ago, came back has best career year at age 29. Now he's 30 with one good year under his belt. And the lines are essentially throwing him, if not into the starting lineup, at least a heavy rotation. It's a big risk. It's a big risk and we'll see if it pays off, but I'm not, not feeling very good about it. Um, but let's, let's switch it over to the most interesting player. If you were there at training camp day one, and you were on the defensive side of the ball. You're watching the defensive guys. Who's the one guy you're keying in on? It has to be Jeff Okuda. Yeah. I mean, it's not very often that a cornerback goes that high, but he definitely has the pedigree to deserve it. And especially given how so much of a new look this uh, secondary is going to be, I think how he fits into the team is going to be very, very interesting going forward. And especially when you lose someone who's such a pivotal aspect of your team in Darius Slay. I think he has some very big shoes to fill, but I think he definitely has the talent to do so. No question. And and yeah, that's a perfect answer. I, I'm sure that's mostly everyone's answer, but for the fun of it, I'm going to answer someone else. And I think it's Jamie Collins. Um, just 
because as we were saying before, I just, I want to know where he plays. I want to know how the Lions plan on using him. I want to know if they really mix him up or if they're like, you know what? We know you're better inside. We know you're a best coverage linebacker. You stick in the middle. Jared Davis will, will find somewhere else to play. So will Jelani Tavai. I don't know. I, I, it's, it's really interesting to me. And, you know, the, the linebacker play has been so subpar in recent years that the addition like th- that could, I think really has the potential to, to really lift everyone up. Uh, especially if you, if you throw Julian O'Quar into that too, suddenly you have at least two potential decent starters at the linebacker level. And, and that's, that's a huge improvement, a huge improvement from the past two years. So uh, Jamie Collins, I, I've called him a linchpin several times. I think this offseason of the defense and I, I, I stick by that. So he's a guy that, that, I'm more interested in how they're going to use than, than how he's going to perform because I have a pretty good idea. He's going to perform pretty well. Uh, I just don't know how their lines are going to use him. All right. And with that, I think we're going to wrap up our training camp preview. That's it. Players are reporting. If you're listening to this on Tuesday today, everything's getting started. I'm very excited. Hopefully everything goes well. Hopefully we'll, we'll actually get to see some practices and hopefully we'll get our way to the regular season. But for now, that's our training camp preview. So when we come back, couple things we got a very important announcement for a big event we're holding this saturday and then we'll get to your questions in the mailbag so stick with us we'll be right back on the pod cast and we are back on the pod cast no mailbag theme yet because we have something to get to this Saturday, August 1st, 7.30 p.m. on this very Twitch channel. If you're watching live, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit, we have a huge event. We are throwing a karaoke drive for charity with Detroit Lions running back coach Kyle Kasky. He's going to be here uh, doing karaoke with us to benefit his uh, Kasky Family Foundation charity he has a specific drive called Surfaces for Success, where we're trying to get 100, uh, 100 surfaces to Detroit, um, the Detroit Lions Academy, which is a public school in, De- in Detroit for kids, uh, underprivileged kids, trying to catch up in the learning process. We're trying to fund that. Um, he's going to be there. We're going to have other special guests. We- we've, done karaoke, we've done karaoke charity before. We've done charity drives before. This is unlike any of that. We are trying to do this big. There are going to be prizes, like I said, special guests. And we're really trying to get you guys involved in the karaoke process too. If you want to sing, I understand karaoke is tough. Not a lot of people like it. A lot of people are self-conscious about their voices. Don't be, we're all a bunch of fools. Just have fun with it. Um, there's all sorts of sign up information on pride So please go there. It'll be on our front page all week. Um, but let me tell you about some of the perks, some of the reasons why, if you don't want to sing, please at least consider donating. So w- this time we're going to do a raffle for a bunch of swag. There's going to be a bunch of lion swag. It's going to be some POD swag. Um, I'm not going to go over everything because we're still trying to get some stuff, uh, make sure that, that we have it there for, um, for the raffle. But this is how it works. Every $20 that you donate, you essentially get a raffle ticket. There's, there's no, I don't hand you a raffle ticket. There's nothing, you know, tangible, but you'll have, uh, you'll, I, I'll keep track of everybody's um, donations. So if you give a hundred dollars, that's five raffle tickets. And then, after the stream is over, either off stream or on a separate stream on another day, we'll essentially hold a raffle um, for these prizes. Um, everyone that's donated will be involved. You, you get a chance at one prize. I'm sorry. I should say that differently. You, you, you're 
eligible for all of the prizes, but once your name is drawn for one of them, then you're ineligible for everything else. You can only win one of the prizes. So it'll be something like there's a lion seat cushion. I know that's available. There's, there's a pride of Detroit shirt. Um, we're, we're looking for some bigger value prizes from, from some of the people that are helping us support this donation, but that's the raffle part. There are also rewards you get for individual donations. So this is the fun part. I think $25 gets you a personal haiku from uh, the adequate host himself, Chris Perfett. He will, you give him a Lions player or event or any topic, he will write you a personal haiku for $25 donation. A $50 donation jumps the line in karaoke. So we're doing first come first serve in karaoke. But if you signed up late, you can jump to the front of the line with a $50 donation, a hundred dollar donation. You can request any of the people there from pride of Detroit or coach Kasky to sing any song on the list. Um, and there's a very specific list on Twitch sings, which is the, the thing you'll have to donate if you want to sing. $150 donation. You get to tweet anything from my personal account. Now I, I get veto power. So if you say something that's going to break Twitch's guidelines, I'm going to say no, but anything else you can make me tweet it from my account at Detroit online, not pride Detroit. Sorry. You'd, you'd have to give a lot more <laughs> for that. Uh, $250 donation means you get to write an article on pride of Detroit front page. I'm not talking fan post section. I'm not talking anything. You get to be on the front page of pride of Detroit. Again, there's an editorial process. I have to make sure you're not saying anything mean or inappropriate or inaccurate, but otherwise you get a, a, an article on the front page of pride of Detroit, $500 donation. You get to sit in on a podcast segment. You get to be on this show for one segment. And I haven't decided yet. It, it depends on how many donations of that we get. Maybe we get all of you in at once. Maybe we do one per week. We'll, we'll figure all that out once we see how many people donate, but 500 donation, you get to be on the show. What other podcasts are giving you that opportunity? Not that I know. <clears throat> uh, are the prizes cumulative? Like if you donate, do you also get a haiku? No, you, you're going to have to choose whichever, um, whichever reward you want when you donate. Good question though. Then there's milestones. So when we build up everybody's um, donations and hit, we're, we're going to try to hit several goals. The first, the, the overall goal is $8,000. And I'll tell you what happens when we hit 8,000 in a minute. But before that, we are going to do what I'm calling the wheel of humiliation. So every thousand dollars that are donated, we're going to spin this wheel, this virtual wheel on stream that makes me do something embarrassing. So right now, some of the options we have are take a shot of lime juice, take a shot of hot sauce, whipped cream to the face and eat dog treats. Those are the four. If you guys have better ideas, throw them in the pride of Detroit comment section or throw it on our YouTube channel any sort of those, I'll, I'll check them out. I'll consider adding those. So every thousand dollars. So once we hit a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars, three thousand dollars, four thousand dollars, I'll spin that wheel and I'll do whatever lands on it. If we reach that eight thousand dollar goal, I am going to eat slash drink what I'm calling right now a, a mozzarella sticks milkshake. Now I'm not a hundred percent sure what that even is. We'll kind of we'll probably just play it by ear if we hit that goal. But um, if if you're a fan of the podcast, you probably know I'm not the biggest mozzarella sticks fan i'm certainly not a fan of it pulverized into drinking form so yeah you're gonna want to watch that at the very least you're gonna want to be here when that happens and if we hit that goal on saturday night i will do it on stream that saturday night now the last one as, as i mentioned off stream kyle cassie is trying to raise seventy thousand dollars total not just in this drive for the whole month. He's trying to reach that. And he has some other things that he's going to do, in, including a, a uh, an auction 
for for some lines um you know memorabilia things like that if we get halfway there in one night if we hit thirty five thousand dollars i will shave my hair on stream now i put this out to kalikaski just to show him like what we were doing on our side i told him yeah if we somehow get that much if we reach half your goal i will shave my head he said you know what if you guys manage to get $35,000 in one night, I'll shave my head too. So both of us will shave our head. I don't know if he'll do it on camera or not, but he will shave his head. I will shave my luscious brown curly hair if we hit $35,000. So I think that's an awesome goal. If we can somehow reach 70,000, his overall goal, we'll do something crazy. I don't have anything in mind yet, but maybe I'll dress up in, in something or, or I don't know, do something crazy. If you have ideas for that, be sure to throw those my way, but please be there. So twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. We're doing it 7 30 PM Saturday night. If you want to do karaoke, make sure you download Twitch sings on your computer. Uh, otherwise you can just show up and we'll, we'll be giving links out on how you can donate when you show up there, 7 30 Eastern time. Pride of Detroit doc. Uh, sorry. Twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. John, are you going to be there? Ah, uh, hopefully. I don't know if I'll be singing. I need to work on my uh, pipes a bit, but uh, maybe I'll pull out a song or two. All right. Well, that's that's the whole event. We, we'd love to see you all there. We'd love to see you contributing in any any way you can. And even if you can't show up, even if you can't donate, please spread the word. Um, like I said, the, the post is on prideofdetroit.com. Share the link. Share it on social media. Um, the, the more people, the more viewers that we have, the more visible is going to be to other people on Twitch. They might stumble in and be like, this is fun. Let me donate. So even if you can't donate, you can still support the stream just by showing up and sharing so that's my spiel and with that it's time to head to the mailbag let's hit that mailbag theme mail time here's the mail it never fails it makes me want to wag my tail when it comes i want to wail all right mailbag Hashtag SPOD anytime y'all have any questions. It can be anytime during the week. We got a short mailbag this week because I wanted to get to that charity stuff. Well, let's start with the Pride Detroit comment section from Phil Balleraz World. He asks, what happens first? DeAndre Swift gets 1,000 rushing yards or Jeff Okuda gets four interceptions? This Don is a Phil great question. It's now, good, right? From, from a numbers perspective, um, last season, there were eight players, uh, sorry, yeah, uh, about actually, no, sorry, 12 players that recorded four or more interceptions. Uh, last year, in terms of a thousand yard running backs, there were 15. So it's pretty close, but I would lean towards Okuda. Now, obviously, he doesn't have a very good history of, you know, catching a lot of interceptions in college. But I feel like one being across from Trufant, I feel like teams are either going to spread the ball out pretty evenly or maybe target the rookie. So I think you'll be getting plenty of opportunities. And two, I just don't think Swift is going to be getting that many carries uh, early on. I, yeah, I think you nailed it. I would I would put Okuda because interceptions tends to be one of those stats that just they're hit or miss. And I think like the, like you said, this comes down to opportunities. Swift is going to be sharing the load with carry on, maybe even with Bo Scarborough a little bit. Lions haven't had a thousand yard rusher in a really long time. And while I think the Lions are, are going to lean on Swift heavier than any other other linebackers, it's still going to be running back by committee. The Lions have essentially said they like, they prefer that. And I don't think they view Swift as, as that workhorse guy. He's not big enough necessarily to be that workhorse guy. So I think when it comes down to it, it's going to be all about opportunities. And like you said, as, whether Okuda is CB1 or CB2, he's probably going to see a lot of balls thrown his way. And so I think I think it, 
better chance of that happening this year. I don't think either happens this season, but if we're talking better chance of it happening this year, I think Okuda with the four interceptions is, is the right answer. Next question from NRS 001 says, uh, should Stafford grow a Jim Caldwell mustache or a Matt Patricia beard? I would go with the mustache because I feel like it'd be easier to have the chin strap on. <laughs> so it's 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 a safety thing for you. Uh, yes. Well, I mean, I feel like with the Matt Patricia beard, he would look like um, Brett uh, Kissel, that Steelers uh, defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. She like basically just sticking out everywhere, or I guess even kind of Dondre Levy. I I, th- I don't think Stafford would look that good with a mountain man beard. Yeah, I mean, I think at one point he tried it in his Lions career. He, he tried to be like old man scruffy and it didn't look great. But I think my concern is like, he doesn't have dark hair. So like the pencil mustache, the kind of like dirty blonde pencil mustache, that's going to look even worse. I think you have to go. Gr- I feel like, I feel like it'd, be, it'd be negligible though. I feel <laughs> like that's the thing. I'm, I, I, I Googled Matthew Stafford beard and some of these aren't exactly pretty. Not going to lie. He, actually. Yeah. His facial hair is a little bit longer than I thought it was or darker than he, than I thought it was. I'll show it to Twitch chat here. Um, but yeah, he went, he went kind of, I don't even know how to describe that. It didn't look great. No, I'm looking down at pictures and I also see Dylan Levy. I was a majestic Aww. beard. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I don't like I don't like this, but I also I also think he's going to look horrible with a pencil mustache. Horrible. I think he could pull it off, Matt. I believe in you. <laughs> All right, next question. Uh, another kind of which is more likely thing uh, from I say I'm winning. I'd be lying. Uh, what is more likely, Detroit making the playoffs or the NFL playing out all 17 weeks? <laughs> is it bad that I really don't know? That's how that's how low my odds are of of either of these happening well um if if you want to if you want to play things by the odds here in order for the Lions to make the playoffs don't they have to play a 17 week season not necessarily they could uh i guess they could shorten it but that'd be weird given that a lot of teams play their division rivals at the end of the season right um and I don't know if they're going to do a schedule rework so short. So maybe that is a moot point, but I would say given the fact that the playoffs have changed, I think I'd lean towards the Lions making the playoffs. Be a bit that's a good likely. point. Yeah. And I think that's, I'll just answer bet. this. I'll answer this in a more like in a regular season, if this were a regular season and we assume that the Lions or assume that the NFL plays 17 games, is it more likely that they make the playoffs or in reality, Will the NFL play 17 weeks? I I think the lines, I think I'm also leading lines make the playoffs. The, the one kind of factor that that might lead the NFL to to definitely play all 17 weeks is they're stubborn, right? They're I, I view them oh, as, yeah. as a as an organization that will plow through if a team like the Miami Marlins it has to deal with a, a pandemic throughout their their locker room. I feel like the NFL is just gonna be like, well, we'll figure it out. We'll if you if you have to forfeit games, that's fine. We we still have to have a season. We we can't say no. We can't say we failed, and that's that's going to be horrible. I don't know how you justify doing something like that to an entire team, um, but I, I just feel like they they're going to try to press forward as hard as possible. And um, but still, I I I 
given given how baseball has messed us up less than a week into it, I'm I'm very pessimistic about the the league's chance of, of finishing a full 17 game season. That's just where I'm at. All right, uh, next question. Let's go down to critical perspective. He says, "Might Marvin Jones be traded?" Then he lists kind of a, a lot of reasons why he he might be. Um, John, what's your feeling on this? I feel like the topic of Marvin Jones being traded was something that people were actually um, talking about as early as, you know, la- the end of last season. Um, is, it, is it something you still ve- feel is a possibility this year? Marvin Jones is a pretty valuable asset, I would say. And I think it really depends on if the Lions basically fall flat out of the gate. If the Lions are looking at, I don't know, one in five record we'll say uh i actually forget when the trade deadline is anyway um i think he's someone who could it's later yeah um i feel like he's someone who could be pretty valuable to other teams and i think you know the odds of re-signing him are pretty low i think the lions are more than likely going to shell out a good bit of money to king Galladay. and as for what they do behind him you know maybe they'll just pick up a few little veterans and whatnot I just, I don't really see him being on the lines long-term. And if the season's already looking over, I don't really see a harm in trading him away. He's a great guy, but at the same time, you know, we saw this with Quandre Diggs. We kind of saw this with Darius Slay. It's like, if you're not necessarily in the long-term picture, I think the Lions aren't afraid to get rid of you. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I don't think trading Marvin Jones before the season is is something the Lions plan on doing unless unless Quinn and Seafestle just blows everyone away in training camp. Um, that there isn't much reason to do it right before the season. Um, but yeah, trade deadline if the season goes south, 100%. I mean, the Lions have, have made a... The, the track record shows like that trade deadline, they're definitely willing to trade away players that, that played significant roles. They're definitely willing to play move players that are on expiring contracts like they did with golden Tate. Yeah. I think he's probably one of the guys that we are talking about that week of the trade deadline in, in late October. If the lines are out of it, if the lines are two and seven or two and five or whatever it is by then hundred <clears throat> percent. Um, and this is going to kind of go into this conversation. Nick Coscarelli from our, our Twitch chat asks if the lines are bad this season, can you see them doing what the dolphins did and trading everyone away at the trade deadline? That's tough because the the Dolphins made a pretty radical move by trading away Minka Fitzpatrick. And, you know, they still had a decent return, but the Steelers defense looked really good with him. And I think they're probably going to miss him in the long run. But if you look at the Lions, um, you know, what assets would you trade away? I mean, would you be so drastic as trading away someone like Kenny Galladay? I, I don't think you're going to be able to trade away Matthew Stafford. So it's tough. I mean, what are the Lions best players? Trey Flowers, once again, very large cap hit. Frank Ragnow still pretty young and it wouldn't really make sense to trade him away unless you get a decent return, but he's a center and who would give up a lot for him. Right. Yeah. So Okuda, you're not going to trade him. You just drafted him. Uh, I like on paper, if the assets were there, I could see it happening, but I just don't think the lines have anyone that might be of interest for the right, right. price. Yeah. I mean, maybe the other, the only other guy that would draw interest is a guy like carry on Johnson, which I, I guess you could see getting moved, but it's not, it's not on the same level that, that Miami did where they're, you know, trading oh. away guys of first and second round talent. I mean, the only guy on that level is a guy like Tracy Walker, maybe. And, and there's no, no chance in hell they trade Tracy Walker at the trade deadline. No chance. You can, you can 
old takes exposed me right now. It's it's not happening <laughs> unless unless there's like a GM change midseason. Um, and even then, I think it's highly unlikely. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think there's there's enough assets in Detroit to really see a big fire sale of players because there just aren't the players there to to sale to the fire sale. Is that a, mm-hmm. a verb now? Uh, I'm not sure what the term is. Maybe if only we had Ryan here, he's a teacher. That's true. All right. We are going to finish on this one. Sorry for the short mailbag this week, but we'll get back to a full one next week. Um, we're going back to the topic we ended with last show, which is captains. Last year we went through the guys we thought might be the offensive captains. Really? There was really only one spot up for grabs, but it's going to be different on the defensive side of the ball. Cause if you look at the captains last year, Jared Davis, Devon Kennard, Quandre Diggs. Two of those guys are gone. The year before, it was Jared Davis, Devon Kennard, Glover Quinn. So, Lions have this odd uh, hankering, I guess, for sending away their, their defensive captains. Lions are going to have to have at least two new captains this year. John, if you had to pick three defensive captains for the Detroit Lions 2019 squad, or 2020 squad, this is, and I want these, this to be your prediction, not necessarily um, who you would make the uh, the captains. Who do you think the three guys are going to be? All right. Well, I'm going to assume it's going to be broken up based on defensive line, linebacker, secondary. That makes most sense. Yep. So I think we're probably going to give it to Jared Davis. Uh, like, you know, on-field performance aside, I think he's still quite beloved, and I think he is a good captain. I think he's well-loved. Mm-hmm. Um. Honestly, a lot of times I would probably have to go with some of the better players. So I would throw in Trey Flowers. Obviously, mm-hmm. you're, you're more than likely not going to give the captain role to a first-year player. So now that Flowers has that first year with the Lions under his belt, I think there's a possibility there. And then in the secondary, that could be a tough one. But honestly, it would not surprise me if they throw it at Justin Coleman. Interesting. That would be interesting. I... I hadn't really considered him much. I'm, I'm with you on Trey Flowers. I think he's probably the pick. Um, we, we've seen him be a little more outspoken this offseason. I feel like he's entering, sliding into that that leadership role. Maybe he just needed a year to adjust to a new team. Um, but there's really not a lot of other options, I think, necessarily at that linebacker, at that defensive line, unless maybe Jamie Collins, I think, is if you consider him the Jack linebacker slash, you know, defensive end. He's he's a potential guy. I I think I'm also sticking with Jared Davis. But I think for me, the secondary, it's it's gonna be between two guys. It's gonna be between Tracy Walker, who we saw kind of take a a, a slight leadership role last year. Wasn't a captain, but <clears throat> definitely a guy who who matured a lot in the locker room. Um, or Deron Harmon. I would I think Deron Harmon is is the uh the the white horse candidate here to to potentially be that extra leader because he's definitely a guy who's been outspoken. He's been a guy who I've been really, really, really impressed in, in the couple of zoom meetings I've sat in with him. He's, he's a former Patriot and we saw a couple former Patriots slide in and become immediate captains last year in uh, at least with Danny Amendola. So um, I don't think that would necessarily be concerned. And he's a guy that, that really loves Patricia. So um, I think he's a guy that could garner a lot of respect very quickly. So if I, if I had to put a guess on it, I'm, I'd actually probably slide in Harmon. He's he's more of a veteran than than Tracy Walker is and um, definitely more outspoken, I think. So if I had to put my three in, it's it's Trey Flowers, it's Jared Davis, and it's Deron Harmon. That's my three defensive captains. We'll see who's right. When they announce captains right before the regular season, hopefully we'll get to that place. 
But for now, that's the end of our podcast. I want to thank John for joining us, for filling in for Ryan Matthews. As always, you did a great job. Uh, we'll, we'll have you on again sometime soon. And you, all right. You don't have anything oh. to say to that. Right. Oh, I, I, I didn't get the cue. Uh, <laughs> yeah, happy to happy to be here. I love talking defense. It's a very uh, interesting part of the Lions going forward. Um, a lot of questions and hopefully a lot of answers down the road. Yep. And if you want more from John, you can follow him on Twitter at Whitaker. That's W-H-I-T-I-C-A-R. My name is Jeremy Rissman. I am at Detroit Online on Twitter. Thank you all for joining us. Please join us for that Saturday karaoke event, 7.30 p.m. on this Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. But until then, it's chaos. Be kind.